Welcome to the WealthStream Podcast. The team at Hightower Great Lakes share their insights and passions for empowering their clients to live their best life. In this energetic podcast, we will take you on a journey to help you navigate your financial future, overcome life's challenges to reach your financial goals, and find the financial clarity you've been searching for. Let's explore the downstream impact of your wealth and what it means to you, your family, and your community to live greater. Hello and welcome to The Wealth Stream with Tim Scannell from Hightower Great Lakes. I'm excited because Tim and I were speaking before we hit the record button and he shared a little bit with me about what he wants to speak about today and I'm, I'm really intrigued, Tim. Oh, excellent. Yeah, no, I'm excited about it also. I've been thinking about this topic for a while. You know, I have, um, we focus on exit planning for a lot of business owners. And when I talk to business owners, when I talk to CPAs, attorneys who I collaborate with, you know, on, on those exit plans, it's, it's constantly about the numbers, which is mm-hmm. critical, right? I mean, obviously, your profit and loss statement, cash flow, earnings, that's a, a primary driver behind the value of the company. But I, there's so many other non-financial things that I have to relate that relate to what the owners are thinking and doing um, that I talk to clients about that I just thought I would cover those. Um, you know, and so I thought I'd call it uh, valuing your business is not rocket science. Um, ah, it's, it's more personal. So today's topic is that. Okay. So when you say it's more personal, um, I mean, I, I get it that a business owner is connected almost spiritually sometimes, right, to their business. Uh, this is their baby. Uh, so I'm, I'm assuming that's a big piece of it. But what are you talking about specifically when you say personal? Uh, when I, when What personal means to me is they overlook um, things like, you know, what's the owner's intention? Um, okay. How many owners are there? So if there's fewer owners, for example, you're probably going to get a higher value than if there's many. You know, so mm-hmm. sometimes we, because that gums up the works, right? Everyone's got to agree. So oftentimes we talk to clients about maybe buying some owners out, some of their partners out. Um, also things like the reason for the exit. You know, why is it that they want to get out? Um, and then the final one is really some of the, what steps have they taken to really mentally prepare? Like we, we've done a couple of podcasts where we talked about you know, the psychological aspects of leaving the business and exiting. But um, those, are the, those are the things that I think people don't think as much about. They're focusing, focusing a little too much on the numbers. So the first step, or the first thing that I talk to owners about is, um, you know, what are their reasons for their exit? And I kind of break it up into, you know, personal motivations, you know, why do they personally want to do it? Sometimes it's as a result of a crisis. Um, and sometimes it's just, they're they're making decision that they're just ready to go but i thought i'd talk about a few of those areas and then how i've seen and what research shows um how it impacts the price so if if, if you're ready to go i'll kind of cover those topics yeah let's i'm, I'm really interested because this is like diving into the brain right I mean, this is <laughs> the way people think and so yeah I'd, I'd love to hear your insights awesome so when i talk about owners reasons for exiting one of the first things we talk about is per, what's their personal motivation. So like I have clients who come to me and say, uh, look, I'm just looking to diversify my wealth, especially after COVID. You know, I have one client in particular that's primarily in the restaurant industry, fast food, and you know, they got hammered. And even mm-hmm. coming out of, of COVID, they just like a lot of business owners, but even more in their instance, uh, they are having a really uh, big struggle with you know, finding people, providing service, you know, they've had to cut back hours. And so to some extent, they're looking for ways to diversify their wealth, their portfolio, 
and that's a, and that's one of their primary motivations. So um, I've seen that a lot more as a result of COVID. And then I also have clients who just say <clears throat> um, they're starting to get approached. You know, so I have a client in IT and uh, technology. They're a services business. They do a lot of tech for business owners and. There's just a lot of um, what we call roll-up firms or companies out there offering a lot of cash and a lot of money to kind of acquire companies, combine them. And I, what they're typically doing is they're looking to buy maybe similar companies, four or five, six, seven, ten of them, maybe a dozen of them, um, build efficiencies, and then kind of sell the whole company at some point in the future. Mm-hmm. So in, in some instances, I've got cases where people are just saying, look, you know, I wasn't thinking of selling, but... Um, it seems like the right time, the right market for me to consider it. So that's another reason why, like a different motivation, I guess, for why someone might want to exit. Well, let me ask you this, and this is just yeah. kind of a weird question, but um, I find I found this in myself, and I've also found this in in uh, people around me, like my my father specifically, and, and my parents. Um, as people get older, I think they get less patient. Do, do yeah. you do you find that? I mean, is that something that you you see with with business owners? And is that something that you help them combat, right? Because if if they're tired, right, if they're, they're tired of trying to find employees, especially like right now, like this, that was what you mentioned. Um, I'm tired of trying to find good employees. I'm tired of trying to find any employees. And it's just made it tough this, you know, this last six months, eight months, 10 months. Um, you know, you, you talk about burnout. You talk about different feelings and emotions. Is there a way that you really can help your your clients take a step back and, and not make that judgment decision based on I'm just frustrated, annoyed, and I have no patience left. Yeah. I mean, that, that gets to this other kind of primary motivation that I see what I call personal crisis, but Mm. I've had people come to me exactly saying that, look, I'm really burnt out. Uh, COVID was really rough. I'm having a hard time finding people. I'm having a hard time, you know, with food costs, you know, Mm -hmm. that are up 20, 25%. And how do I price that? I've also had, you know, as it relates to personal crisis, just recently I've had a um, situation where someone had health issues. Um, another person came to me and they're just time starved, right? They're just looking for opportunities to spend more time with their family. Um, and then, you, you know, when it comes to that, one of the best things I think I can do when I'm advising clients, especially if they're looking to sell, is that those reasons, the personal crisis kind of reasons, generally have a negative impact on the business value because if someone's buying your business, they can they want to know that, you know, you at least are someone, you have a key management, someone's going to be hanging around for a little while because, um, you know, they have all the intellectual capital, they have all the institutional knowledge of the company. So my best counsel to them, to the seller is, look, uh, you might be burnt out, you know, I obviously you're, you may be dealing with health issues or family crises, but let's try and at least um, make the business not as reliant on you and focus on that. Let's bring in management, better management. Uh, let's start delegating more. Let's do things that can relieve the stress, relieve the burnout, mm-hmm. and then take a look at selling um, when when you're in a better position and you could possibly get more money. Because if, you'll also get a better price too. If if uh, we call it kind of the spoke in the wheel, if you're the center spoke of a of a wagon wheel, for example, and all decisions revolve around you the business will not be worth as much, especially mm-hmm. if you're going through a burnt out situation or a personal crisis. So we focus on expanding and, and delegating and bringing management because uh, that'll help the the price also. So I can't really cure burnout, but what I can say is let's, um, let's change how you're operating 
Yeah. You know, so that we can at least alleviate it. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. The other reason why I see getting back to personal motivators is, you know, I've had a client recently come to me and say, um, you know, they, they've learned a lot. They love entrepreneurship and they want to basically start speaking. They want to write a book. Um, I've had other clients and who are very passionate about philanthropical goals. And they've said, look, you know, I'm at a point in my life where I've accumulated what I need to support my family and I've got these passions. And in fact, um, Eric, we were talking a little bit about this, but I'm going to create a, what I call a post exit passion series mm -hmm. where I'm going to interview, uh, I think four, I have four, four entrepreneurs who have sold, who we've helped guide, you know, we've been the guide to help them sell exit who are now really doing incredible things that they were passionate about. You know, they're one, two, awesome. three years away from the sale. Um, so I'd like to bring them on to talk about that. Well, that'd be great. I'm looking forward to that. And, and generally, motivations, uh, when the owner's motivated to diversify the wealth, um, to cash out because the market's high, um, they're looking to, you know, focus on another business maybe or their philanthropical goals, that usually has a positive impact on the business and on the business value because they have more energy, they are more focused, and they typically do the things that are required um, to get that higher valuation as compared to what we talked about earlier, which is if you're in kind of in crisis mode, oftentimes there's burnout, there's they're not focused, there's a lot of things going on that you know is making it so that they're not focused on the price, and that generally has a negative business value. So we always try to help clients with that. Got it. All right. And then, um, like I also just had, you know, the third one I would say is, I call, I, it's called like personal, personally peaked or, you know, you've got something else you want to do. Um, I have a client recently, actually uh, not a business owner, but I think it's a good example. He was an ER surgeon forever, uh, regionally. Um, and that's all he did. And that's what he loved. But he just made the decision that he was ready to do something different and he wanted to travel. Um, he had some uh, crisis in the family, and he's like, look, uh, now he's on a uh, two- to three-month cruise, actually mm. a series of cruises, and so I'm communicating with him uh, via text, you know, and saying, where are you? Where are you? You know, I'm kind of living vicariously through him. Yeah. <laughs> That's but, great. But I guess the, the, the key, Eric, and I guess the reason why I mention all this is when you obviously the numbers are critical, you know, how, how profitable are you growing, things like that. But the owner's reason for exiting, the personal motivations, whether they're burnt out or going through a crisis, or whether they're looking to travel or do other things like that, they're key. And, and basically, like I said earlier, the, the personal motivators are generally positive. When I, meet, when I talk to clients who are kind of in crisis mode, that's generally not the time to sell. And that's where we focus mostly on maybe bringing in a support, you know, filling mm -hmm. in that great team. Um, and then the other reasons are generally neutral, but I think it's really critical that people understand that their motivation for selling, the the buyers are going to want to know what that is. And so they're really going to want to have that, you know, have that down and be prepared to discuss it. Yeah, I mean, I can absolutely see that because <laughs> you don't want, you know, obviously no owner is going to do this, but, you know, I'm curious, why why are you selling? Oh, geez, food prices are way too high. It's um, barely profitable. Uh, I just can't <laughs> yeah. stand it anymore. My employees are terrible. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, exactly. <laughs> Probably need a better narrative than that. <laughs> you know, um, recently uh, we put on a workshop at a local chamber, and it was myself, um, an attorney, and a, a CPA who is a valuation expert. And and when the valuation expert spoke, his name's Greg, 
he he talked about that he's you know it's it's not necessarily the numbers it's not the forecasting the modeling it's the narrative the mm-hmm. narrative and how you present it is really important um, because they want to know they're they're not buying your history right so oftentimes a client will say let's tell them how good we've been in the last 10 years and what I always try and say is well what they're more interested in is what's going to happen mm-hmm. tomorrow or the day after they purchase because they're buying your future they're, they they want to know about your history but they really want to know what's going to happen in the future Absolutely. and that's the narrative part and then so that that's number one but the number two area that I want to cover is really um, and this is what buyers will talk to me about is you know how how prepared is the seller to exit how what has he or she done um, to make sure that they're they're ready ready to go so for example we've talked a lot of times Eric on a podcast about you know the first step is really what is the minimum you need to retire you know when I work with a business owner they've got a business that's been generating cash flow that cash flow has supported their lifestyle maybe it's travel maybe it's charitable um, that the that supported maybe they've put their kids through school it's they it's often hard to, for them to translate that to okay well if, if I leave tomorrow if I sell the business tomorrow how do I get that cash flow that I was getting? How do I maintain my current standard of living? And what do I need? And so we always talk about, you know, one of the first questions I ask people, and I usually cover it in almost every meeting because it changes, is what's the after-tax monthly cash flow you need deposited into your checking, you know, on the 1st or 15th of every month? Because that will drive whether you have enough, that will drive how much you need to sell the business for. Mm. And if you don't know what that number is, you're you're basically kind of in a boat in the middle of a sea with you know no binoculars, you know no compass. You're just kind of saying, yeah, let's sell. What's it worth? And and no one would do that selling a house. Nobody would do that valuing a stock, mm-hmm. and nobody should do that valuing a business. And then beyond that, um, as important I think. So once you once somebody has a really good feel for okay, I need ten thousand a month after tax cash flow. I need as a result we need you know. X amount of money in the bank or in the investment portfolio or, or generating the cash flow. The second thing, and, and I've actually seen that I think this is maybe even more important, is what, it's, what does the business mean to you in your life and in your social goals and your social life? For example, I find that um, a lot of CEOs, uh, as they retire, that's been their identity, right? The company's mm-hmm. been their identity. It's been their cohort. Um, it's really a big deal, and I've talked about this in the past with a lot of university professors that I've worked with. You know, if you're a professor at a university, you're you're going to the school, you're you're teaching classes, you're, you're you have this natural cohort of other professors who just love to learn, love to teach, and they just they love to critically think. And you walk in the door, and it's there. But that's your identity, and the day you leave, you need to create that somehow. You need to find that. And that's really hard. And I find actually I've had a number of people who have retired and, you know, I'm not a, a clinical psychologist, but I sense they're a little depressed um, just because it's been such a struggle uh, mm-hmm. because it's a, their identity and they didn't really think about it enough before they retired. Well, yeah. And I, I've got a buddy of mine that his dad and his mom went through that because his dad was a, a very high level executive CEO of a company. Uh, very important, right? And uh, a lot of decision making, a lot of, you know, he was in charge of a lot of people. And mm-hmm. when he retired, he was at home and he kind of carried that to his home. Well, 
his wife had been the CEO of the home <laughs> forever, yeah. right? She raised right. the kids. She also worked, you know, outside the house here and there. But um, that was a that was something that they had to work out within the first, you know, couple months because he was he was still in that mode. And she's like, "Listen, <laughs> I'm the CEO mm-hmm. here. <laughs> you are going to do what I say." And he had to adjust, you know. And it was it was uh, it was comical in a way, but uh, they they made it work. Obviously, they're they're still together, but. It was one of those things where it was just like he still had that mentality. He still had that, you know, I'm, I need to make all these decisions. And she's like, you need to stay out of my way because this is my domain. And, and, and we'll, we'll talk about what you want to do <laughs> and then we'll make exactly. decisions. So, yeah, yeah I'll no, let was, you know if that decision is a good one, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, that that's, you know, when I talk to uh, spouses, partners, as they're thinking about retiring like that, that comes up 100% of the time. I mean, that, that's everybody thinks about that. It's a reality for everybody, and it's yeah. it's not easy, and you really have to think about it in advance, and that gets to how you're preparing to exit, you know. Yeah. Um, another one that I find too is, you know, sometimes the business owners in particular they've created these business or their second and third generations, and they don't think enough about how involved they want to be or will be post exit. So, you know, it's not like selling a house, right? So you get the house ready to sell. Um, I remember when we sold the house that. Uh, we raised our kids in um, Nancy, my wife, Nancy was understandably upset because they wanted her to get rid of all the personal stuff in the house. Because, mm-hmm. you know, nowadays when somebody comes in to, to look at a house, they don't want to see your pictures. They don't want to see your life. They want to vision their own life. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not like a house sale where you just walk away once it's sold. Oftentimes they will, they will want you to stay longer. And, you know, if you stay on for a year or two, generally the value or the price you get is greater. Um, but then, you know, once you're hanging around, it's new management, right? And they're going to have their own ideas about how to run it. So you have to re- be prepared to let them uh, tweak and change and, you know, adjust how you're doing it and not take it personal. So I really think that people need to think, business owners in particular, need to think about post sale, you know. How involved do they want to be? How involved are they going to be required to be? Um, and are they prepared for that? Because that's a hard one. Yeah, and, and I, I liken it to having kids, right? If you're a business owner and you're, this new team is coming in, you're going to have to allow them some room to fail as well, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not a respect issue. And I think that that's where a lot of business owners get hung up. I know that um, you know, as a father, I kind of got hung up on that sometimes where if my son's not taking my advice or my daughter's not taking my advice, that it's a disrespect issue. Well, it's not a disrespect issue. It's them making their own decision. Even if it's a bad one, in my opinion, and even if they do crash and burn a bit, they have to learn from that. I mean, we certainly did, right? I mean, we learned exactly. from those, those mistakes and bringing on a team. If they don't listen to you or they're not taking your advice or they're not saying, you know, doing what you're saying, it's not a respect issue. It's, it's their business now, right? And, and they have to learn uh, through trial and error or whatever. Um, and I, I think that that's a, a huge hurdle. It is. No, it definitely is. It, and that's that's consistent across almost every business sale that I've worked with, every business owner that I work with. It, it's, it's very hard. It's, it's super emotional that way. Yeah. Another big one, and this actually really has probably has the greatest impact on the value of the, the, the sales price that people don't really think about is the well-being of your employees. So every business owner that I've, I ever work with uh, to a person has incredible respect for and appreciation for their key people. They, they totally understand the fact that if it wasn't for the key people, 
you know, some of the success would, would not occur. Mm-hmm. And if you prepare in advance and you think about things like, okay, how am I going to encourage um, this key employee to stay? You know, maybe there's an employment contract. Uh, how am I going to compensate the person to stay post-sale? Also, you know, if you put a lot of time and energy in creating a next generation management team that'll be there for the long term, um, that's also a real positive. So what, what a lot of business owners don't think about is um, how to prepare their key people, how to, pre- how to compensate and you know, lock them into contracts and, and reward them for staying. But generally, like re- um, surveys I've seen, studies I've seen show that that can increase the, the sales price by anywhere from 10 to 15 to 20%. So that's a really big one that a lot of people don't think about until maybe it's too late. And I've, I've even had situations where clients, they, they don't want to tell anyone that they're thinking of selling. And, th- and that's just a recipe for real bad problems because mm-hmm. people would just exit for the, not always, but a lot of people exit for the door because of the uncertainty, um, especially if you haven't really discussed it with people. So employee well-being is, is a key thing that people need to prepare for, uh, think about before they exit. Yeah, absolutely. And then the last one is, um, I mentioned it earlier, ownership structure. Um, the first example I saw of this was actually uh, one of the first estates or uh, business succession plans I worked on, and that was my father-in-law. He was an electrical contractor, and he had had a minority shareholder. And I really, it didn't occur to me at all at the time. I was probably three, four years out of college. Uh, about how, um, even if you're just a one, two, three, five percent owner, how much trouble you can cause uh, if you look if the majority owners are trying to sell. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're operating the company, that's one thing. You know, the op, the 51% owner or the they can kind of control the operations. But when you go to sell, um, it can really gum up the works. It can really make it more complicated. And as when buyers look at you, when buyers are trying thinking about buying your company, if they see multiple shareholders, especially multiple uh, minority shareholders, uh, small percentage owners, there it, it's going to be looked as as a negative, and it and it'll probably reduce the price. So. If you can do the legwork up front to maybe um, get them on board um, or and or buy them out uh, or at least somehow control their voting shares, uh, you you know what I, again, all the reports I've seen, the examples I've seen is that that'll bump up the price you know 10, 15 percent also. So hmm. employee well-being and ownership structure are two of the biggest ones that I think that um, people don't think about, but really, uh, that it matters. It may, it's a difference between, you know, an additional 10, 15, 20% in the value of when you sell. Yeah, that's a huge difference. Holy cow. Again, I, I just wanted to cover today what I see are non-financial reasons um, or things that owners should think about, you know, and that buyers will want to know. They'll want to know what their personal motivation for exiting is. They'll want to know if they are burnt out. They'll want to know things like, are you, you know, are you going to hang around? Um, they're also going to want to know how prepared you are to you know to exit and are you going to cause trouble or are you going to are you going to be the one who has seller's remorse you know and then you hang around too long or are you willing to hang around at least sometime because that's going to help and then finally you know what have you done to prepare your employees your key people so that they don't just leave because obviously the business they they want a business that operates in spite of the owner or Mm -hmm. when the owner's gone what I talk, what I would recommend any listener do is, you know, consider. Um, I, I always have this analogy. I talk to clients about this parallel path, or when you get off this one escalator 
you know, make sure that you're ready to get on the other one. So consider your next escalators, consider your next path that you're, you're looking to get on, understand the minimum you need uh, when you do sell the business so that you're making sure that you're, you're going to get that and you're, you're going to be comfortable. And then really picture a day, what I call past the sale, where, you know, have a vision of what that's going to look like, how long you can, you're going to stay, how involved you want to be, and then really focus on preparing your employees and especially your key people to make sure that they stick around um, when, the business, when the business is sold. I just thought I would kind of throw those ideas out for listeners who might be contemplating exiting their business. Yeah, and for those that are contemplating, you know, exiting, um, obviously, you've you've done other podcasts that will have them considering a lot of questions and and uh, uh, maybe addressing some concerns. But I think this one, in in my opinion, I think this was probably the best one you've done because of the fact that you really took into account those personal things, right? The the, the personal crisis personal motivators, all, all these different pieces that most people just don't think about. Again, they're, they're looking at the numbers. Um, so if this really triggered some folks to, to maybe ask some internal questions, uh, I know that you're more than willing to, to meet with people and, and help them walk through that and help them answer some of those questions or at least explore them. What's the best way to get a hold of you so people can talk to you? So if you're interested, call me at Hightower Great Lakes. The number is 219-531-4941 or send me an email at tscanell.com at HightowerAdvisors.com. And what'll happen is we'll schedule a Zoom or phone or in-person discovery meeting where we gather information about your goals, where you want to be, um, and then we'll go from there. All right, perfect. Tim, thank you so much for your time today. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Always, Eric. Yeah, the, the, the wisdom you share is, I, I enjoy it. I just enjoy the back and forth and, and we have a good time. So again, thank you so much for, for educating me and the audience. And of course, thank you to the audience for listening and tuning into the Wellstream podcast with Tim Scannell. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Tim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Hightower Great Lakes, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Wealthstream podcast. We hope you gained some valuable insight that you can apply to your life and share with others. Please don't forget to subscribe below to be notified when new episodes become available. And don't forget to live greater. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Hightower Great Lakes. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Hightower Great Lakes is a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities LLC. LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. 